lovely to see you all here this morning. Um, just thinking about uh, something I'd read recently about the deepest call, our deepest calling is to grow into our authentic self. And what you're going to hear this morning is my authentic self. And I've learned over many years just to be truly myself. One of the things I love to do, one of the things that are passion for my life is to take a subject and, and, and really research and make it um, have an ability to be able to communicate it, hopefully, in, um, some, in some form that will be of an encouragement and truth, as well as a challenge to you in your life. So my message this morning, as Peter said, most of my messages come out of my own life. The message this morning is don't waste your wilderness. You don't need to read between the lines to find out that I've got a message that's come out of my own wildernesses that I've had to walk through in my life. And I've been thinking about the whole subject of, of wildernesses, and I believe that the concept of the wilderness has been given a lot of bad press. I believe that when we think about the wilderness, one of the first things we think about are the children of Israel and how they actually never left behind the mentality of slavery when they came out of Egypt and went into the desert. How they wandered just so aimlessly for 40 years. They demanded to be fed and to be led by their leaders. And despite the evidence that the presence of God was actually there with them in the desert, and that God was never silent but always speaking through Moses, and he was full of power, doing amazing things like providing them every day when they woke up with just that manna that would actually feed them, let alone the other miracles he did. They never learnt from their wilderness experience. They never moved on to what God had designed for them to actually do and to learn and to go into the promised land. There's a quote and it should be coming up behind me, that the enemy does not tempt us to make us do wrong things. He does do that, but not only to do that. But he tempts us to make us lose what God has put into us through regeneration, namely the possibility of being of value to God. We've taken the subject of how to be an influence on the world around us and we've chosen as a leadership not to just enter into it occasionally but to stay on the subject because we truly believe that the call of God on my life and yours is to be an influence. And I want to encourage you, but I, more than that, I actually want to challenge you. I want to challenge you, don't waste your wilderness experiences. It's all part of what God has planned so that you will be everything that he's called you to be. My heart this morning is that I will shift your mindset from thinking about the children of Israel to thinking about the truth that God has for you when you're walking through the wilderness. To challenge you not to waste your wilderness and to really encourage you that it's through the wildernesses of our lives that we are truly transformed. I, my life has been far less transformed by the easy times in life and far more impacted if I grab onto God for all that he is in the wildernesses of my life. 
So Father, I want to pray this morning that this message will not fall on empty and dull ears and hearts. But Father, I pray that through the Spirit of God who was with us this morning, that you will speak mightily and powerfully through your words and not mine. Now the wilderness can have many different entry points. We can come into the wilderness in a variety of ways. Can anybody think of one way that we enter the wilderness? Disappointment? Anybody else got a way that we went to the wilderness? Sickness? Yep. Death of partners? Something tragic that comes our way? There are many different ways that we enter the wilderness. And I want to say for one of them is by choice. And behind me should be coming up a picture of somebody here who's actually going to be part of... Um, the promotion for, for Alpha um, program. This guy here, Bear, he actually, unlike most people, he enters the wilderness and the desert by choice. I want to say that there's not many of us like this man who actually get excited about and think about the challenge of going into a wilderness or a desert where there is hardly anything that would support life just for the just for the heck of it. That's his whole life story. He's actually written one in here called Bear, Mud, Sweat and Tears and why he loves to take the challenge of going into the wilderness by choice. I would like to say that there are very few of us that follow in his footsteps. I have never chosen to go into the wildernesses of my life by choice. Another way we enter the wilderness is we become lost. We just get off track. We meander and suddenly we're lost. I heard about a lady who trusted her GPS in America um, and trusted it far too much. And as she trusted this GPS, she got right off track and ended up in a desert where her very life was at stake because she had got lost. Many of us enter the wilderness because we've got lost and we've mirandered off the path. Or like Jonah, he was running away from God and found himself not in a desert, but in the jolly bowels of a whale, which was pretty much similar to a desert experience. Do you know one of the hardest things to ever face if one of the entry points to the wilderness is when it's caused by the impact of someone else's life on ours and the decisions that someone else has made? That is really, really hard. You see, David would play in, in the courts of Saul, but Saul got very, very jealous and envious of him and started throwing his jolly darts and, his, his, and, and targeting him. And David was driven by the actions of another into the desert where he spent a long, long time. I was looking at where he spent it, and he spent it in many different places in the wilderness, in the desert. But one of them that I remember most is where he got into the, um, the caves, um, the caves of Odullam. And there he sat, and before long, God ended up bringing him all the waifs and strays and misfits of the world. But do you know that by God doing that in David's life, he was training his leadership. He was training and honing his ability to actually lead, to actually take lives that had no meaning, give them meaning and make them into a jolly army. It was through the wildernesses in David's life that David learnt how to be a leader. 
I want to say to you that if you're struggling with why you're in a wilderness or why God has allowed something to happen in your life, no matter how it's come about, whether you've actually, uh, it's been by choice, whether or not you've got lost and just ended up into a wilderness, or whether it's because someone else has forced you into that situation, if you find yourself in a wilderness or desert, I want to encourage you that this is where the most transformation happens in our lives. I want to encourage you not to fear the wildernesses, but to embrace them and to ask God what he wants to do in your life in the wilderness with which you face. So rather than just talking about it, I thought I would put together a little bit of a wilderness survival kit. What I wish others had told me when I have entered the wildernesses of life. I hope it'll be an encouragement to you. In Ephesians 2 verse 10, it says that God has plans that are ahead of, that has, he's planned ahead of time that we will actually accomplish in our lives. And it is about, about this, for we are his workmanship, his own master, a work of art created by Jesus Christ and born from above spiritually transformed and renewed, ready to be useful for the good works with which God has prepared for us ahead of time. Ephesians 2 verse 10. Remember that in the wilderness, that's where we're prepared for those good works, that purpose and destiny that God has for us. So what, is, what has been my survival toolkit? What would I like to pass on to you by way of encouragement today? Well, first of all, I would want to say to you that we all have a date with the desert. We all have a date with the desert or the wilderness. There's not one of you here this morning, not one of you, that will not have a date with the wilderness or the desert. Whether you're walking in it right now, whether you are past it and through the other side, I don't really mind. The truth of it is, I wish somebody had told me that we all have a date with the desert. It will come my way at one time. I will not be the exception to the rule. There are no exceptions. You see, few of us escape the back blocks of the desert. Look at the life of Moses. Look at the life of David. Few of us escape seeing the inside walls of a well like Joseph, thrown there and tossed there by his own very brothers. Few of us escape the confines of a prison, of seeing the walls of a prison and knowing confinement. Think about the number of people in Scripture that ended up in prison for a period of time. I don't know what your prison might be. It may be a prison of physical disability or pain. It may be a, it may be a, a whole concept of, of relationships that have fallen over or something that's been impacting your life. All I know is that few of us escape, in fact, none of us escape a date with the desert or the wilderness. 
Seems a little bit unusual, but true when you think about it, that new Christians just seem to have everything laid on, don't they? They seem to be able to hear God. I was reading something the other day that says, you know, they're treated like brand new babies, like we treat any brand new baby, where we give them everything. They can hear our voice all the time. They can feel our comfort. They, they know what's going on. They don't have to think too much about it. But see, as we mature in God and as we grow, he knows he can trust us with the deserts if we turn to him and allow him to do the work in our lives. Deserts don't often come to brand new Christians. They tend to come to those of us who have been on the journey a little bit. And God knows that he wants to do something in our lives. He wants to transform and he knows that this is the methodology with which he uses. Another thing, we all have a date with the desert. The other thing I wished I'd been told that was in my toolkit is the desert is something we go through to something else. It doesn't last for an eternity. It's for a period of time. The desert for the children of Israel, if they had allowed God to do what he wanted to do, was from a place of slavery to the promised land. A desert, no matter what you're going through at the moment in your life, is something we go through. Remember, we're not meant to settle there like the children of Israel. It's for a purpose. It's for the destiny that God has on our lives. I remember a time a number of years ago when we went away overseas. In fact, Tim was 13, or was he 16? Something like that. And he's now 33. So you can imagine how long ago that was. And I went away with a very heavy heart. And I said to God, God, take me out of my circumstances. And I ask that you will speak to me about the season of life that I'm in. And we went away for six weeks and not a lot happened. I kept trying to listen, nothing a lot happened. I remember going to Bristol Christian Fellowship and many of you will remember John and Sally Osborne. And I remember the most amazing service on a Sunday morning where threaded all the way through the service was something that I was listening to. I thought, God, this is what I was after. And then the picture came of a fire like in Australia, a very vibrant fire full of life that was forced by the circumstances of life to go underground. And that that fire would go underground for an extended period of time before it would burst forth stronger and more magnificent than ever before. And not just with one form of expression, but with two. Now, I'm not going to tell you my full story, but Boy, if ever, that was my life. And I want to tell you that, yes, it was so encouraging to hear that. So encouraging to hear that word from God that, yes, he knew that that's how I felt. But, boy, did I underestimate how long that period of time was going to be. And I've had the joy in the last few years of seeing complete and utter fulfillment of that word over my life. Complete and utter fulfillment over my life. But you see, like Jacob, who wanted to marry Rachel, but was under the father-in-law's um, instructions, etc., who could determine the outcome and had to spend many, many years in the desert just serving Laban, he 
his period of time was extended by twice. He got Leah first before he got Rachel. And he only wanted Rachel and he wanted it a much shorter period of time. But what did Laban do? He said, well, I've tricked you once. Go back and work for me for another season of time. You see, the deserts and the wilderness experiences of our lives are to go through, but what we often misunderstand is the process and the length of it. And I want to encourage you that if God has spoken to you, hang on to it for all you can, because your wilderness will not last forever. It will not be a permanent state of your life. It is something we are intended to pass through. Like the children of Israel, I don't want to see anyone here in the audience today get stuck in their story. They got stuck in their story of being slaves, and they never threw off that mentality. I don't care where you've come from to come to know Jesus today. I don't care what your backstory is, and neither does God. God is after transformation and he promises to take you from wherever you were in the land of of, um, slavery to the promised land of freedom where you will fulfill the very destiny and purpose that God has for your life. So in this survival kit, we all have a date with the desert. The desert is something we are intended to go through, not to settle in. And thirdly, a topic that is very close to my heart, in the wildernesses and deserts of our life, it is ever so easy to misinterpret God. I want to encourage you that we need to hang on to the truth of who God is when we're in a wilderness. Your theology will be challenged by the wilderness. Your theology... The truth of who God is will be challenged in the wilderness. A quote here from C.S. Lewis's book on suffering. Every time my theology becomes clear in my own mind, I encounter something that contradicts it. In the desert and in the wilderness, you will encounter many things that contradict who God is. And I want to encourage you not to listen to those lies, but to go back to the truth of who God is. Let the concept of divine control fill your mind with the thought that God is there. And in the times when God might appear as an unkind friend or an unjust judge, you need to hang on to who God truly is. You will be challenged, your theology will be challenged about who God is in the deserts of your life. How do we enter the wilderness? Again, recapping, it can be by choice, which is a bit of a mad one. It can be, we can be lost and mirandered and just lose our way. It can be the doings of others, but I want to encourage you there is another way that we enter the desert. It's pretty radical. It's not the way most of us think about it. And it's a bit bizarre, but you may be invited by the living God to enter the wilderness, to go into a period of time. Where did Jesus go before he he entered into his ministry? Where did he go by choice? He went into because God was calling him to take some time out 
for a purpose, to prepare him for his destiny, for what God had ahead for him, to strengthen him. In Hosea 2, an amazing passage of Scripture, it's a little bit long and I probably, it's not time to go through it all, but basically what that passage of Scripture says that I will bring Israel into the wilderness and there I will speak tenderly into her heart. And there I will give her the vineyards. You see, out of the wilderness, when God calls you there to spend time with him, out of there comes productivity. And I will make the valley of Achor, or troubling, to be a door of hope and expectation. How fantastic is that? So God would call you into a wilderness partly to get rid of the concepts you've had that aren't accurate about who he is, to wipe them from your mindset and fill them with truth about who he is. And that is an experience that I can say I have been in many wildernesses in my life and if anything it's been to find God for myself and get rid of the ways I've looked at him that have come from my past, that have come from my experiences, that have come from my frailties as a human being to misinterpret God and God says, I'm going to call you to time out so that we can meet together and you will come out of your wilderness better prepared for your future. There are three myths that God wants to get rid of when we're in the wilderness, that he wants to get rid of in our lives. One is that God is absent in the difficult periods of our lives in the wildernesses. Remember, these are myths. That God will always remain silent and above all, he is just powerless to help me. Those three myths that God is absent, God is silent, and God is powerless need to get out of our mindsets. They have devastating effects on our lives. I was reading a story as I was preparing for this message about a young man who was studying theology. I think he was at postgraduate level, actually. And he'd, he'd written, as part of an assignment, he was writing a book, actually, on the, on the story of Job. And he sent it to this, uh, this author that's pretty well known, Philip Yancey. And he said to Philip, look, I know that you're a famous author and you've written many, many, many different books. But he said, I wonder if you would read my script and, my, and see whether or not you think it's worthy of being made into a book. And he, um, he told Philip Yancey, and Philip Yancey thought, yeah, he gets lots of scripts. I mean, what the heck, read it, toss it aside, not, not really, you know, whatever. He read this, this transcript on the book of Job from this young man and he, who, who was a Christian, and he read it and he thought, no, this has got new and fresh insight. I will back this book. And so he wrote the foreword for this book of this young man. He had never met him, but they had lots and lots of email contact with one another. Well, one day the young man rang, rang, rang him up and said, I'm sorry, I need to meet. I need to meet immediately with you. And so Philip Yancey said, well, come. You know, it'd be nice for us to meet. Let's have a cup of coffee. And this young man entered into, into his office. Instead of being like he expected, he had this terribly troubled look on his face. He just looked disastrous, actually. And he sat him down and he said, the young man said, look, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to break the news. This is really, really bad and I know you're not going to like it. He said... I've just entered into a difficult period of my life. My parents have divorced. 
I've just lost my fiance. She refuses to marry me and I'm not well. And he said, I got down on my knees and I said to God, God, if you're real, if you're really, really real, tonight I want you to meet with me. And so he stayed up all night, prayed on his knees, got to three o'clock in the morning and thought, I can't hear a thing. Who's this God that I'm thinking about? I can't hear a thing. So he went to, went to bed and went to sleep and then he woke up and he said, I actually don't believe anything anymore about God. I've lost my way. I've lost my faith. I don't even believe in him anymore. And he came to Philip Yancey to say, I'm sorry, I know the book's about to go out. I know it's all happening, but look, I don't care how good that book was. It's all nonsense now. Through the challenges of this young man's life, he lost his faith. I would love to say that after Philip Yancey continued to work with this young man, that he found his faith in God again, but he didn't. Over many, many years that he's been followed up, this man has just walked out the door of what was a fledgling, but at least it was faith. He wasn't that long on his journey. And the book was brilliant. He had wonderful insights. But through the challenges of his own wilderness, he lost his faith. Tragic. And he lost his faith primarily because he wanted God to perform. He wanted God to, to do all these things in front of him, and God was not going to do that. He wanted to take him on a journey, and he wanted to take him to a different level, but he disengaged with his story. He disengaged through the difficult challenges of life with his story. Is God absent in the wilderness, in the deserts of our lives? No, no, no. He is definitely with us. I was thinking of the road of Emmaus and those two disciples as they walked in some of the most tragic circumstances of their lives. They had just lost Jesus. He had died. They were followers of Jesus, walking on the road of life, absolutely devastated by the circumstances of their lives. But who was walking with them? Who was right there with them? but they didn't recognize him. It took a revelation of the living God before they realized that, wow, this is tragic news. This is, this is the hardest period of my life. But wow, suddenly they realized that he was with them. God was with them right in the middle of their circumstances. Psalm 23 verse 4 says, Even though I walk through the sunless valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And why is that? Because you are with me. God is with us. A quote from Oswald Chambers is, Faith is absolute trust in God. Trust that could never imagine that he would ever forsake us. Faith by its very nature, however, must be tested and tried because it can only become our intimate possession through the process of conflict. That young man, that author of a book on the story of Job, lost his faith because he refused to engage in the process and go through the trial and the tribulation and come out stronger. You see, Jesus was not asleep. Jesus was only asleep in the storm on the boat. He was actually in the boat when the disciples were on the Sea of Galilee. 
And Peter, when he kept his eyes on Jesus instead of the circumstances of his life, could walk on the water. Another myth. The first one is that God is absent and he's not. He's right there in the middle with us. The second one is that God is silent. No, actually, in my experience, the greater the depth of despair in the wilderness I'm walking through, if I tune my ears to God, I find he's got lots to say to me. In fact, he's got a captive audience because I'm alone. I, I'm going through an experience that others, even if I'm in a crowd, don't, can't go through for me. But in the middle of it, what I've found is if I will listen, he has something to say that God is not silent in the wilderness and the deserts of life. He has lots to speak to us about. And as I said, he has a captive audience. Where did Moses encounter the burning bush? When he heard what his calling and destiny was on his life and what God wanted him to do, the burning bush was in the desert. And that's where God spoke. Listen carefully in the desert and the wildernesses of life because the, it's a myth that God is silent. He is very much wanting to speak to you and have your attention. However, sometimes in the desert, we can feel that he's gone silent. And you know, that's not, a, um, it's not representative of God's disapproval with us. In fact, if God is silent for a period of time in your life, it is because he can trust you with the intimacy of silence. The more mature we get on in life, the less we always have to have communication backwards and forwards. Think of a marriage. When we first marry, you talk a lot. You try to get to know one another before you marry. You, you want to you wanna hear one another's voice. But as you go on in your marriage, sometimes it's just a look and you know exactly what that person's saying to you. You don't always need the clutter of language. So if God has gone seemingly silent, it's because he knows you can handle it, because you have a mature relationship with him. Don't misinterpret that. The last one is that God is powerless. Is God silent? Is he absent? The last one is that is God powerless to change the circumstances of our lives and take us through that desert experience to the fulfillment of something more? Of course, God is not power, powerless. He is a powerful God who can do amazing things in our lives through the wilderness. There was a Jewish rabbi called Kushner, uh, Rabbi Kushner, who wrote a book called When Bad Things Happen to Good People. Okay? Now, many, many people read his book. It came out at the same time as Philip Yancey's book on um, Disappointed with God or How to Find God in Difficult Places or etc. And he came out and he was a Jewish rabbi. Now, he got most of this right. He believed that God wasn't absent but present. He believed that God could speak to us in the wildernesses of life, but he got stuck on the last one that God is powerful to change the circumstances of our lives. Many, many people in secular services read his book. His book came out of his own very son dying of cancer, where he asked all these questions of the Jewish God that he served. But he came to one very, very wrong conclusion. He believed that God was present in our pain and our difficulty, but he was powerless to change the outcome. And many people believed that lie and would today. 
You see, God doesn't always rescue us from difficult things. Bad things, hard things do happen to people. People do die of illness. Marriages do turn to custard. All sorts of things can happen in our lives. But not only is God present in our wilderness, and not only is he able to speak, but he is, he is full of power to transform what I want to say is sometimes it's not the final outcome we were looking for, but the transformation is within me. The transformation is within me. Do not believe the lie that God is powerless in your circumstances. The wilderness has the greatest potential to transform us, not just our circumstances, but us at the very core. I want to finish on one other way that we enter the wilderness. By choice, getting lost, by bad things happening to us by other people, by being called or invited into the desert. But this again is outrageous. What happens if God engineers the very circumstances himself of a desert or wilderness experience? I want to finish looking at a little bit of a glimpse at the story of Job where God actually engineered, hard as it may seem, the circumstances of Job's life that he would enter into a wilderness and a desert experience like none other. You see, the book of Job is a bit like a Shakespearean play. It's like we get this sort of beginning where we hear this conversation between God and the devil talking about Job's faith and challenging whether or not if he went through a really hard desert experience would he still hold on to his faith and then at the very end of the story over here we end up getting this where God and Job are speaking to one another and that marvelous marvelous passages where God says and where were you when and where were you when and where were you when I did this? You see, in the middle, we get stuck with the story of Job, and all we see it is a book of suffering. But I want to say, the book of Job, read it again. It's a book of faith. Amazing example of how to survive in one of the most difficult, difficult circumstances of life and wilderness, where God, would you believe, actually engineered that he would go through that. I don't believe God does that frequently in our lives. This is maybe an exception to the rule. I've spoken to Andre a little bit about um, the book of Job, and there's a little bit of, it, was, it, was it a story that really happened? Was it something that God wanted to figuratively say to us and encourage us? I'm not sure where it all fits, but all I know is that Job is not just a book of suffering. It's a book of faith. Read it again. It's not where... Where is God when it hurts? But the question was, where is Job when it hurts? Where is Job and how is he responding when, when life is tough? It's not God that was on trial. It was Job and his faith. And I don't know about you, but there's been many times in my life where my life and my faith has been on trial. And I've needed to grab onto every single thing that I know about God to endure that. Every single thing. 
One of the great things about Job that I love, and I have to read it because it's just too, too good, is that I think people misinterpret one of the most important things when we're going through a difficult period of lives. Please excuse my, I've read a lot of this book lately. Um, I wish I could hide, yes, it's all right, it's probably the prednisone, but never mind. Um, one of the bold messages in the book of Job is that you can say anything to God. You can throw at him your grief, your anger, your doubt, your bitterness, your betrayal, your disappointment, because God can absorb it all. As often as not, spiritual giants of the Bible are shown as contending with God. They would prefer to go away limping like Jacob rather than to shut God out in the wilderness and desert experiences of their lives. You can throw anything at God. You need to be honest and frank in your wildernesses and your deserts. Don't hide how you feel because we have a God who can take it all like Job when he threw it all back in God's face and he, but he still desperately wanted to hang on to faith. And God took him through to absolute and amazing victory because of that honesty that he had with God and still wanting to contend and connect with God. One of the dangers of entering a wilderness or a desert experience is that you disengage with God. You choose like that young man who was full of, of potential to stop there and to disengage with God and come to the wrong conclusions about him. I want to encourage you today to continue to trust God. Job teaches us that when faith is hardest and the least likely, then faith is most needed. When faith is the hardest in your life to muster up, that is where it is needed the most. When tragedy strikes, we live in the shadow, unaware of what was transpiring or going on in the unseen world. My response to that rabbi who said that God might be present, he may, be, he may actually speak and not be silent, but he cannot, he's not powerful to change or transform my circumstances. My response to the rabbi would, read, would be to read the last few chapters of Job and see how perfect how amazingly powerful my God is. He holds the very universe in his hands. He made everything that the world exists as today, and he holds it right now at this very moment. If he chose to stop working and just disappear on us, the whole world would fall apart. God is present in our wilderness. He is there in the midst with us. He's not silent. Listen to him carefully. And he's also powerful because he can transform us in the midst. But I want to finish by saying it's not just the transformation in my life. It's not all about me, you see. When I walk through a wilderness and successfully come out the other side, not because of me, but because of God, it's an example for others to follow. And how desperately we need to be able to see the example of one another's lives and be able to say, I'll hang in there a bit longer because I know that someone over there and someone over there, their story is that they kept the faith in the middle of difficult circumstances. And I know their story. I know their story. Do you know what? Look at this young man, Jesse. It brings tears to my eyes. 
You're watching him emerge as a young man, a leader amongst us. But how many of you truly know his story? His story of the wildernesses, his story of the troubles of life, how he would like to have had a different beginning and an ending and a growing up that he didn't get. But what has he done? This young man, Jesse, has held on to the hand of God in the middle of his difficult circumstances. And what has God done? He's raised him up to be a leader amongst us because of the choices he's made in the difficult things of life. Not in the difficult things of life when he was an adult, the difficult things of life when he was a tiny young man, as he was developing as a young man, how he wanted to see a hero in his dad, and he didn't see it. And yet, he hung on to the things of God. He hung on to faith. He endured. He worked it through. Let's share our stories with one another, guys. Let's share our stories more honestly, and let's be more honest about the pain in these circumstances. And be like Job and throw it back to God and say, God, I have to tell you this is how I feel, but please speak to my life. Please hold on to my life. Please transform me in the middle of, my, of these circumstances. Please transform me. You go through the wildernesses and deserts of life to be transformed, but you also go through them to be an encouragement to others around you. So what's my takeaway messages from today? The toolkit for the wilderness. Should be a slide hopefully coming up. We all have a date with the desert. Most often more than one. The desert is something we go through, it's not where we settle. It's easy to misinterpret the nature and character of God, take care. And no matter how we enter the wilderness, it has great potential to transform our lives. Remind yourself that God is not absent but present, he's with us. He's not silent but speaks with particular clarity in the wilderness of life, so listen up. And he's not powerless but powerful. Don't get stuck in your story like the children of Israel. Move on and don't disengage with God in the process. I have a song I just want to finish at the end, hopefully. I had two of them. I actually had, we'll see which one comes up. It really doesn't matter. But I believe when God speaks to us as a corporate group and as a body, we need to stop for a moment and let it settle. And I want to stop for this moment, hopefully if the song's going to come up. And I want us just to think, what has God been saying to me today? Am I in a wilderness? Have I disengaged? Do I need to cling to him? Whatever. I just want us to settle now. And I want to pray before we listen to the song that God will do something in your heart afresh today. Father God, I thank you for the example of others that have followed before, that have gone before us that we can follow. I thank you for your word that speaks powerfully and truthfully to our hearts. So, Father, I pray that you will seal this morning's message, that which is what is, whatever is of you in the hearts of people this morning, I pray, as we settle and listen to your voice in Jesus' name. Amen.